Welcome to Rethink, the podcast that empowers you to challenge your existing beliefs and embrace new, more productive ways of thinking. Here at Rethink, we believe that the key to self-fulfillment lies in shattering old thought patterns and adopting new mindsets that support personal growth and empowerment. With expert guests and thought leaders from a wide range of fields, we explore strategies and insights that can help you achieve success and fulfillment in all areas of your life. From relationships to career, business ownership, and health, you are the source of your own success. We're just here to help you tap into your true potential and create a brighter future. So join us on the journey of personal growth and empowerment, and let's rethink what's possible for our lives. the signs and the symptoms of hemorrhoids and anal fissures, F-I-S-S-U-R-E-S. What are they? Well, first of all, hemorrhoids, also called piles, P-I-L-E-S, or swollen or dilated veins of the rectum or the anus. Hemorrhoids may be located uh, just inside your anal canal or cavity. That's called an internal hemorrhoid, or it could be surrounding the anal opening. These would be referred to as external hemorrhoids. Hemorrhoids can present themselves for years, uh, but go undetected until bleeding occurs. Now, on the other hand, fissures, F-I-S-S-U-R-E-S, are tears. These are sensitive uh mucoxical linings of the anus and it tears quite honestly uh, during a bowel movement what are the signs and the symptoms well with internal hemorrhoids the only symptom that you may see is rectal bleeding and of course seeing blood in the stool many times uh, is alarming for most folks But bright red blood may appear as streaks on your toilet paper or within your stool or simply in the toilet bowl itself after a bowel movement. Other symptoms include a lump that can be felt around the anus with or without associated pain. Most of the time, the bleeding, for example, is not associated with pain. It could be itching or uh, mucus discharge after bowel movements, for example. Hemorrhoids generally last several days and often they reoccur. Now, anal fissures often cause pain during and after a bowel movement, sometimes followed by throbbing pain for several hours. It's also often associated with itching and blood on the toilet tissue or even in your bowel or the surface of your stool. What causes these uh, phenomena, these fissures, these hemorrhoids? Well, hemorrhoids are presumed to be caused by repeated pressure in the anal and rectal veins. That's why many uh, pregnant women do suffer uh, with hemorrhoids because one of the primary parts of birthing is, of course, pressure and applying pressure to push 
uh, of a new baby into the world. Anal fissures, on the other hand, are caused by trauma to that anal cavity or the canal, usually during the bowel movement. Anal fissures are also sometimes caused by inflammatory bowel disease or uh, infection or inflammation. Other contributing factors include constipation, which is primarily the case, excessive straining associated with constipation during bowel movement, prolonged sittings, pregnancy, which I already mentioned, obesity, loss of muscle tissue due to old age. You could have recently had rectal surgery, uh, alcoholism with liver disease, anal infection, anal intercourse, and lastly, colo, um, I believe this malnexy, M-A-L-I-G-N-A-N-C-Y. Now, how are they treated? That's what we're going to talk about today here on Things You Should Know podcast. It's a little different content. Yes, it is. But I came back uh, to present this information to you because I wanted to share with you the primary reason why I was, you know, out for two and a half, almost three weeks. And this is why the uh, fissures, the uh, hemorrhoid, external hemorrhoid, I experienced both. I have never experienced a hemorrhoid, or at least I didn't know that I had because uh, internal hemorrhoids don't present themselves with any pain. It's usually blood in your in your stool. Uh, a fissure, I think I've had a fissure before, but it's been some years ago. Uh, but I didn't. I haven't ever experienced anything like I experienced uh, in August. It lasted from the end of August all the way up until, quite honestly, about a week or so ago, which is when I went on my anniversary trip. I still had uh, some slight pain and some discomfort uh, then. So during the time, which was a good solid month of pure pain, uh, I had uh, some time to research and just try to figure out how to to deal with this. And in during my research, I found out that a minimum, a minimum of one in two or 50 percent of people deal with this throughout their lifetimes. Now, depending on what articles you're reading and um you know, what, what you're, what you're reading in terms of study, some say as much as 75% of people will experience, uh, anal, uh, hemorrhoid or fissure within their lifetime, internal, external hemorrhoid. So you may ask yourself, well, you know, this is kind of sensitive and a lot of people are, um, not necessarily willing to come forth and talk about this kind of stuff. But listen, I'm, uh, 52 this year when my birthday comes and, Quite honestly, with 50 percent or almost 75 percent of people going to be dealing with this and the amount of pain, quite honestly, that I was in. I've never been in this amount of pain in my life on a consistent basis. I wanted to share with you and you know, give you an opportunity to understand how I dealt with it in hopes that if it does happen to you, that you can have some immediate relief. So. Welcome to the welcome to the podcast. Uh, first timers are like, "What in the world's going on? Hemorrhoids, anal fissures." This again is not necessarily the type of content that we always talk about. So please go ahead and subscribe to the channel and listen to some other. You know, we've got some really good content. I'm not suggesting that, that this is not because I got to be honest with you. If you're in pain, you just want to not be in pain, and I'm going to give you some 
Mayo Clinic uh, input. I'm going to give you some of my personal input and you're going to be equipped. Uh, hopefully this doesn't happen to you, but quite honestly, the chances are greater than not. And um, many of you know that I have a plant based diet. I went back over my, you know, regimen time and time again, try to figure out how did this happen to me? I'm going to share with you how I think it, it occurred. And then I'm going to let you know how I dealt with it. So my goal today is to to help you, you know, and even if it's not you, uh, if it's one and two, it could be your partner, your spouse, uh, it could be your best friend, it could be a sibling, it could be someone. You can take this information and help someone. What I found out also during this time was that many people suffer with this in silence because they are embarrassed or they think it's just going to go away or maybe there's not any treatment. I, I found a large number of people uh, that had shared their stories on YouTube and, and they had the surgery and we're going to talk about that. And boy, were they suffering. I'm, and, I, and I know two family members, you know, first cousin and uncle that had the surgery, too. And, and man, they said it was, it was the most painful thing they'd ever done. And one of them has two kids. So the goal of the podcast today is to educate. It's always to educate. It's always to empower. This information is a little bit more sensitive, but this is your body and you want to feel good in your body. And certainly if you have a, a loved one, your, your child, your spouse, you want to be able to help them. And so let's look at it from that uh, lens and let's uh, take this as information you know, uh, earmark this podcast and, and take some notes and that sort of thing. So I'm going to tell you how to avoid it also, but I'm going to tell you if you're in this situation now and you're experiencing pain, I'm going to tell you what I did in order to get immediate relief. All right. So let's get going. Thank you guys for, for joining uh, today, but we're just going to go ahead and jump into it. So excuse my briskness. I've got a lot of information to share and I don't want, um, to bend your ear too long. I want to get to the, uh, the treatments. I want to share, share my um, story with you. So there, there, there are three things we're going to talk about really two, because hemorrhoids are either internal or external. They're basically swollen vessels, blood vessels, uh, in your rectum. Okay. They're super sensitive, no different than the blood vessels, uh, in your mouth. This is how my, um, uh, colorectal, uh, doctor explained to me. That if you were to bite your lip or you had some sort of, you know, tear in your mouth, you wouldn't go necessarily have surgery. So when you're thinking of your your rectum, think of your your lips, your 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 mouth. It's a very similar cavity. It's moist. It's wet. It's hot. The difference is, of course, with your bottom, it's not exposed to air. So it takes it quite a while to heal. And that's one of the problems. If you're experiencing this, you'll realize it takes so long to heal. The other part of it is this is an area just like your mouth that is used primarily every day. So if you have a fissure, uh, particularly if you have a fissure, because they are so painful, so painful, uh, that it is, um, you know, if you cut your arm, you know, you get a scab in a day or two because uh, it's in the air. And the next thing you know, you can you can be healed. Even if you had to get stitches in your hand, wrist, arm, leg, if air can be a part of your healing process. Well, quite honestly, you don't have a whole lot of air circulation, a lot of light in that area. So it takes time in order for these areas to heal. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Here's an offer we thought you'd be interested in. 
Are you looking to develop and create stunning coursework? Uh, launch your stunning academy website in a snap. You can choose from among 50 plus designer made, ready to go, industry specific site templates to launch your website fast and with confidence. It's very simple, very powerful. They're flexible courses. You can wave goodbye to dull educational content. There are countless ways to package and distribute your learning content. Create listed or private courses that can be paid or free courses, or you can drip. Feed your content to build and to nurture your audience the way that you want. You can create compelling and interactive courses, leverage the most rich library of learning activities, and undoubtedly the most customizable course player in the market to build flexible learning experiences to keep your listeners engaged. And lastly, be the boss of your content and design your final course product exactly as you envision it. Preview it as you build it. In real time, get it up and running fast than you ever have imagined. Why don't you go down the show notes, guys, today and uh, click on Learns World. If you're interested in building courses that matter, you can monetize, create memberships, create courses and create passive income for yourself. So support our sponsor, Learns World. What is the cause? What are some of the causes? We talked about a, a few before pregnancy, you know, uh, obesity. One of the things that we can avoid, uh, help us avoid getting these is these long sittings on the stool. Many times you may see on TV or, or maybe you do it yourself or you've got a book in the bathroom or that's where you like to go to get on your phone and, you know, I don't know, scroll or read a book. Don't do that. Don't do that. If you've never had any issue with fissures, never had any issue with hemorrhoids, you'll do yourself a favor by simply going to the stool, uh, to your to your bowl, to your bathroom, passing, you know, doing whatever, take care of your business and leaving. If you want to read, read in your bedroom, lay in the bed. If you want to read, do it. You know, if you don't listen to something, listen to it in the shower. But Go into the bathroom with the intention of taking care of your business and then immediately coming out. Prolong what I found uh, through a few studies that prolonged sitting, it exacerbates and it stretches that area and it makes you prong to the hemorrhoids or to the anal fissures. So in my case, as I go back through my um, eating and, and my habits for the last several months, um, I determined that I probably became dehydrated in some sort of way. Okay. So one of the things that creates constipation and harder stools is lack of water in your system. Okay. So if you are taking sinus medication or any sort of medication that will draw a lot of water out of your system, or if you go to the restroom a lot or if you simply don't drink enough water, you could be prone to constipation and hard stools. One of the things that will cause tears in your rectum is constant pushing, a lot of pressure. Also will cause hemorrhoid, but it'll definitely cause fissures and passing harder stools. So. Obviously, without being too graphic, if you can imagine, you want to be able to best case scenario, 
is that you have very fluid and easily passable stools. Okay, that's the best case scenario. But even over time, if you would consider this a PVC pipe, let's say, you know, you have a house and it's full of PVC pipe and your house is 10 years old. Well, PVC pipe lasts for a long time. But what if it is 50 years old or 60 years old? Just sheer using that pipe day in and day out. At some point, that pipe could burst. It could crack. It could it could do a number of things from simple use. So we want to have best practices, meaning uh, in this case, we want to be well hydrated and the less pressure on that pipe, the better. The longer you probably will go without problems. Now, uh, my research again took me to a couple different places. Uh, as I shared my story with a cousin of mine, he mentioned to me uh, some different things that he dealt with. Uh, he, for example, does have an external hemorrhoid, but it doesn't cause him any pain. I watched a number of videos on YouTube trying to come up with some solutions and one or two I think I'm going to put into the show notes. So go down to the show notes and take a look at those. The good news is this. There are a number of new and innovative uh, ways to deal with uh, internal and external hemorrhoids. We're going to talk a little bit about banding today, but there are other technologies I'm not going to pretend to explain because I don't understand them to that degree. And also, I didn't have those procedures. Fortunately for me, uh, I was able to heal over time and with creams and suppositories. Okay, so I didn't have to have any banding and I did not have to undergo any surgery, thank God, because having not gone through it, but having listened to a number of testimonies, I think my conclusion is you want to avoid the surgery at all costs. Now, having said that. I don't know how severe my case was. I don't have anybody to compare to. And and this is the first time I've dealt with a hemorrhoid. So this was my first experience. Only thing I can tell you is this. It was extremely uncomfortable. It was extremely painful. And I can't use extremely enough. So once I had a, um, I forgot what I did. I, um, Oh, I pulled a muscle in my um, back. I put a muscle in my back. And also I had a um, not at the same time, but I'm just I'm trying to equate it to I'm trying to think about pain that I've experienced in my life, because uh, forget the hemorrhoids for a second. There's there are some people that deal with uh, constant pain and ongoing pain. So you may read and hear about these opioid addictions and things like that. And so there there are people in our community, local, state and, and, and nationally and internationally that deal with pain on a, on a, on an everyday basis. And as I went through this experience, it made me more sensitive to that because oh my god, it was just pain day after day after day. And it can get into a mental state in terms of depression and you're not really feeling like doing anything, you don't really have you're not really in a good mood because your body is just not feeling good. And I've never had that experience my whole life. So, again, that's why I wanted to bring uh, this experience to you, because if you're going through this right now, oh, I get it. I get it. You don't feel like uh, uh, doing anything. It's no such thing as a vacation. Uh, uh, one of the nurses that was helping me, God bless her, 
she had a similar experience, but she was on a vacation, uh, an anniversary with her husband. And in the first day, she gets a fissure. And she said it, it was the worst. It was the absolute worst because she spent the first day in bed. She just could outside of the shower. She couldn't take anything else. But she was also a great resource to me because she was able to treat herself. She works in this arena. So she knew exactly what to do. And she was able to prescribe to me um, different, you know, modus operandi, as well as some cream that she ordered for me. Why my doctor didn't do this, I don't know, but that's something else we'll talk about. And that really expedited my healing. Okay. So back to the top, what are some of the causes? Uh, Some of the causes, like I said before, but the main one, honestly, is becoming dehydrated. For most people, you know, most people are not pregnant. Okay. Most people are not. Uh, Obviously, if you get pregnant, there's a significant amount of pushing that you have to do. Some women, uh, you know, Get hemorrhoids because of the pressure and the pushing, but that's usually short lived and it, you know, it kind of comes and goes um, outside of the dehydration piece. I think the other uh, biggest piece is uh, constipation, which I think kind of go hand in hand. So if you've got excessive straining while you're having bowel movements, you should check into possibly uh, a probiotic. Uh, dare I say, change your diet from what you're eating. You know, uh, when I was for years since, you know, I've been plant based this is going on six years. I've never had this issue, which was completely confounding to me when it happened, because I was like, how, how does it happen to me? Well, even if you're plant based, vegan or vegetarian, it doesn't suggest that you're drinking a lot of water just because you're not eating meat. And I think that's what happened to me. I was taking uh, some medication that, you know, like a sinus type situation is probably drawing water out of my system to begin with. And these days I do urinate more in the night than I did 20 years ago. And even though some days I think I've drank enough water over time, I just think I lost focus on it. And then one day, you know, I had a a bowel movement that was um, more difficult than any other day. And then, bam. I find myself with uh, a fissure and external hemorrhoid. So obviously, then needless to say, I pay very close attention <laughs> to my water intake now and to um, everything that goes around it. But until something like this happens, you don't really, you know, uh, focus on it. So, again, uh, let's avoid uh, anything that we think is going to make us constipated, anything that's going to, you know, cause excess pushing and straining during bowel movements and prolonged sittings on the toilet. That's not good for you. Prolonged sittings on the toilet are not good for you. Okay. Um, Let's get into treatments because that's probably where we want to start and get into quickly because I, there may be some people listening uh, that are currently dealing with this and that are in pain. So that to me would be the most important piece. So you want to treat the because they're in the same area, you're going to have to treat them sort of the same way. Now, the fissure is what you would understand as a cut or an open wound. The hemorrhoid is an inflamed blood vessel. OK, they're both sensitive, but sensitive in two different ways. OK, and you have an internal hemorrhoid that may bleed, but it doesn't necessarily present itself with pain, but it could still exist if it is severely inflamed. To relieve the pain, uh, so this article I'm going to put on our Facebook page, this is a Berkeley article, Berkeley EDU. I'm going to tell you what it says, and I'm going to tell you what I did, because I don't agree with everything they said. I tried it, and some of these didn't work for me. 
So first of all, it says to sit in eight to 10 inches of warm water, uh, take a sits bath and to do this 10 to 20 minutes several times a day. That's the first thing I would not do. I and, well, I shouldn't say I wouldn't do. Let me tell you this. I did it and it had the opposite effect. I, I um <laughs> I did this and man, it set it set the pain off to a level that was just excruciating to the point where I spent the rest of the day just laying just laying in the bed. To drive, to stand, to walk. My house has steps to go up and down steps, to get in and out of my car, to sit at the table, to sit in my studio to record, which is what I told you guys before. I had to use that area. And the reason I was telling you guys before about pull most of my back and pull and my surgery I had for my hernia was because I was getting around to saying that you don't really realize how much you use your core. And although your rectum and your anus is not necessarily part of your core, I'm going to include it in that area because the center of your body is where your energy lies. I'm not going to get too deep into this, but your solar plexus, your, your sacrum, all of that is super important. And that is where your energy is. That's where your sexual energy comes from and it lights up the rest of your body. So there's really not a way for you to move your extremities without engaging the center of your body. Try to move your arm without tightening your core. You, you can't do it. Try to lift your leg without tightening your rectum or anus or buttocks. You can't do it because everything moves from the core. And there's no other time that you're aware of this more than when your core, your anus, your abdomen, something in that area has been uh, uh, injured or ruptured. Uh, I mean, you know, uh, ladies that have fibroids will tell you or that have had uh, cesareans uh, until those areas heal. It, it You're very sensitive to it. You understand very clearly that getting up and down is now a task today. Uh, getting in and out of your car is now a task today. And even for me, I mean, this went on for a month and a half and I'm on the tail end of it. And some days I still feel a little sense, you know, sensitivity. I still worked and I still traveled and I still was driving and all sorts of things. And some days it was okay. Other days I found myself in traffic and I thought, dear God, if I don't get out of this car, I'm I'm just going to run around in traffic and hope for the best because it was that excruciating. So I know where you guys are. So anyway, uh, this article from Berkeley and a lot of people did say, hey, let's let's do the warm baths. I would say try it. I'll just tell you it didn't work for me. Also, to reduce the pain and swelling, you know, of a blood clot or, you know, a protruding external hemorrhoid, you may want to try ice packs. Now, that, I think, works the best. Why? Because ice um, and coolness can shrink the blood vessels and it takes it down. OK. And also uh, it gets really hot in that area. You know, it's throbbing and itching. You're doing all this other kind of stuff. If you can stand it, I would suggest the ice packs. OK. Now, after a bowel movement, uh, it may be less irritating and painful to wipe with cotton balls soaked in water rather than toilet paper. Uh, 
they sell t- different types of pads at you know Walgreens and 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 Walmart and Target and all these other places. Tux Tux is one of the pads that they sell, and it has um, um, uh, witch witch um, witch hazel. I almost said <laughs> witch uh, witch stitchery, which is something you you do you know put on your clothes for sewing. But witch hazel. Now here's the difficult part about that: when you have an open wound, anything you put on it is gonna hurt. And so whether it's lidocaine, which uh, is in the um, uh, most of the medicines that are used for hemorrhoids uh, to some degree or tux, which has to which hazel, it burns. It absolutely burns. And the difficult reality is after. okay, so most mornings you should be, you know, taking care of your business on a, on a, on a best case scenario, we want to be regular and regular means we need to be having a bowel movement at least once a day. Okay. So that's number one. Uh, I'm very regular. So every morning I, my normal routine has always been to go to the restroom. Well, I got into such pain that I started to withhold going to the restroom because it created such pain. The problem with that is eventually I was going to have to go. And when I did go, it was so much worse. It was so much worse. It got to the point where I just dreaded going to the to the restroom. And for those of you who've been through it or going through it now, I get it. I get it. But I'm going to tell you, it's going to get better. So uh, use the tux if you can stand it, but just know that it sends your rectum into the spasm and the pain that you're feeling, the large majority of the pain that you're feeling is your rectum spasming after you've had a bowel movement, you've re-agitated that area, or you have put some sort of medication on it, be it the uh, tux with the witch hazel or the um, lidocaine uh, that is causing your rectum to spasm. For me, I'm going to tell you about the cream that I use that was prescribed to me from 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 my doctor, the wonderful nurse I was telling you about. It was not an over the counter. And I'm going to tell you exactly what was in it. There's no one single name and I'm going to do my best to pronounce some of these names. There was a something called Aquaphor, A-Q-U-A-P-H-O-R. Uh, it was about 20, 26.4 grams. There was a polyglycol and base. So it's the, the base of it is like a uh, Vaseline. OK, so that must be what that is. Polyglycol. Because, you know, you want you want that area to be lubricated, especially if you have an internal hemorrhoid. You don't want any chafing and you don't want your 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 buttocks to be rubbing up against it. OK, it's going to create more agitation, more pain. The lidocaine base is in it as well. Um, that's 0.6 grams. And then there's something called, um, ditezium, D-I-L-T-I-A-Z-E-M, H-C-L. And those four ingredients were mixed together by, uh, this wonderful pharmacy and was sent over to me. And that helped the most. That helped the most initially. I was in so much pain. uh, I did have my general doctor send me some um, um, suppositories, but I was in so much pain. I wasn't even thinking about using suppositories because I didn't want 
to 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 aggravate the area and certainly trying to put something in. It's hard enough trying to get something to come out to try to put something in. It just didn't even seem like it was something I wanted to try and do. I later regretted that because uh, I got, I want to say so desperate, but there was a day when I was experiencing so much pain. Uh, I ran across these suppositories because, quite honestly, when I got them, I just threw them in a the drawer. I didn't think about using them. And then I was in so much pain, I couldn't figure out anything else to do, and I decided to use them. And that's when I had a, a, sh- a, pain in my, a, a shift in my pain levels because the suppositories help to, to, to um, and I'm not a doctor, obviously. Uh, my mind, it helped to medicate from the inside out, and the cream is not external. What I just told you is not an internal thing. You don't want to get that inside of you. You want to put that on the outside. So I needed to work both areas simultaneously. And then the last piece of my healing just had to do with the time it took to do it. So if you're in extreme pain, you haven't considered uh, suppositories, I would suggest you do it. Uh, get you as much Vaseline as you think you're going to need in order to to make that transition is as uh, smooth as possible and just, you know, hold your breath and do it and know that you're working from the inside out and, you know, uh, and get your creams and just kind of um, d- do what you can, you know, in terms of managing your pain. The other part of my prescription came through a oral medication. I'm not big on taking medications especially opioids. And of course, what was subscribed to me was an opioid. It was a tramadol. And uh, this is a completely non-judgmental zone and podcast. I want to simply share with you my personal opinions on that. I've never been a fan of taking very strong medications. When I had my hernia surgery, my doctor said, oh, I'm going to prescribe you Percocet, you know, just take two and three, blah, blah, blah. You're going to win yourself off. I said, Doc, I don't think I want to take that. He says, I think you do. When when this when you get home and the, the anesthesia and everything wears off from the hospital, you're going to be in quite a bit of pain. And I said, well, is there anything else I can take? He said, you can take, you know, some really strong Tylenol or, or something like that that may help. I said, I think I'll start there. Give me the prescription just in case. Well, fortunately for me, I have a pretty strong uh, tolerance for pain. And so when the medication from my hernia surgery wore off, I got home from the hospital. It was about a day or so later. Yeah, he's right. There's a considerable bit of pain. There was considerable bit of pain. But I never took the Percocet. I never even got it, uh, the prescription filled. I took Tylenol for two days, and that was it. That was it. Now, fast forward to this recent uh, situation with the hemorrhoid and the fissure. This was at least uh, two and a half times as much pain. At least, possibly more. And for the first time in my life, I strongly considered, and I, I think the first day I took the tramadol because I was in that much pain. I just I just couldn't shake it. It, it. it it was excruciating. And I thought that if anything could take this down some, I, I would I would just take it. So I know a lot of times the reason I'm bringing this up is because sometimes we get on our high horses about people being ad- addicted to certain things. And how could you do this? How could you do that? If you not, this goes back to my initial statement about some people live in constant pain every day. You don't know what people are dealing with. 
And until you're in a situation where you're in constant pain, you don't know what you would do to kind of make it subside. It could be alcohol. It could be drugs. It could be anything. But if you're not dealing with constant pain, uh, I I think we just kind of hope for the best for people who are and leave the judgment to the side. Um, The other reason why I didn't want to take the tramadol is because I always have a, um, I shouldn't say fear. I, I don't like the feeling of being nauseous. I'd rather have the pain. I don't like to feel nauseous. I, I don't like the idea that I may throw up and stuff like that. I, that. That's the worst for me. And then the other thing, I did the research, of course, on the tramadol. <laughs> I know. I got to research everything. But what I found out is that it doesn't really treat the pain. What it does, it uh, sort of tricks your brain or rewires kind of how you, your brain reacts to the pain. And that was a little unsettling. So I said, okay, and they talk about how they have to wean you off the drug and so forth and so on. Listen, I don't know what happened when I took the tramadol because, quite honestly, I don't think it worked because I didn't feel any different. Now, maybe I have to take it more than one or two times in order for it to kick in. I didn't even get to that point. I took it once and nothing happened and I didn't take it anymore. I went back to a regimen of, and this is for our folks who are dealing with it now, I went through my regimen of Tylenol, you know, your Motrin, and uh, also I got the liquid ibuprofen. Why the liquid? Because it gets into your system faster. Quite honestly, I don't feel like they were doing anything either, but I think from a psychological standpoint, it just made me feel a little better. Well, Kelly, what did you do that made you feel better? So I'm going to tell you. Um, initially before I went to the suppositories, I was using my cream and the cream for the most part, after the spasm calmed down, after you use your restroom an hour, almost two hours later, it was normal pain. It wasn't excruciating pain. It was just normal pain and normal pain was good because at least you were not excruciating. And what I found to help me the most was um, taking the pressure off of my lower extremity. If you're sitting, there's pressure. If you're standing, there's pressure. If you're walking, there's pressure. So several days, I had my laptop and I worked laying across my bed. I would only get up if I had to. If I needed to go to the restroom if I needed water or something, you know, I would go. But quite honestly, my my wife would would um, get stuff for me, so I wouldn't have to go up and down the stairs. I would certainly avoid stairs if you can. If you can't, I get it. Um, but what I did was to take the pressure off of my lower extremity. When I uh, would get up to move about, I had a certain amount of time before the pain would 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 start coming back. So I knew that I needed to take the pressure off of my lower extremity. Now, I think it should go without saying, if you're an adult, I would no longer be using toilet paper. I don't care if I had hemorrhoids or not. I don't think it's good practice. They make uh, wet wipes and, and flushable toilet wipes 
that are much more friendly to your rectum. And I know ladies already know this, um, but I would be using that. I wouldn't be irritating myself with dry toilet paper. It's, it's not, I don't think, the best practice. Now, you can try over-the-counter rectal wipes with witch hazel. You can try the tux, like I said before. Uh, you can try zinc oxide to soothe those areas. If you don't have the fissure, I think the witch hazel and that sort of thing is going to work pretty good. But if you have the fissure, you just got to understand lidocaine or anything that you use is going to go into that open area and it's going to burn. And some people have described lidocaine as not being effective for them. Lidocaine is the numbing agent uh, that is supposed to go into the air, just kind of numb everything out to help you deal with the pain. Well, many times it creates more pain if you have the fissure. And then they don't get the relief. Many people have explained they don't get the relief of the numbness because the spasm takes priority. When, when your rectum is, is in a spasm, it's nothing nice. Believe me, it is, it is not something that you want to deal with on a regular basis. That hemorrhoids may, particularly internal, may uh, be a situation that you're going to have to deal with at some point in your life. So let's talk prevention. You want to be able to add, this is going to have to do with your diet, you want to be able to add as much fiber to your diet as possible. Fiber comes in the form of fruits, vegetables, legumes, and whole grains. What does fiber do for your diet? Fiber allows you to absorb and hold more water within your stool, and the stools pass, uh, obviously, a lot easier. You want to be able to drink plenty of fluids, uh, 8 to 10 glasses of water a day. So imagine if you had a water bottle. Uh, that water bottle, usually on average, just a regular water bottle, contains about two cups of water. So if you drink about four of those a day, that's um, eight Two times four is eight. So that's eight glasses. Uh, gives you you know an idea of how much water you should be drinking. Again, don't strain or hurry or push uh, or even create uh, opportunities to be constipated. If you know that eating a lot of dairy creates constipation in your system, then avoid the dairy. If you feel like you are going to be straining or be constipated, Make sure that you have on hand, on hand is the key, uh, laxatives, gentle laxatives, uh, stool softeners, and these sorts of things to aid you in your um, bowel movement and in, in the process. So you don't, please believe me, avoiding these is the best solution. Obviously, there are some people listening to this that are currently in this situation, and they would agree. If they could go back, they would do this, that, and the other, anything to avoid this type of pain. Now, the other thing is, I already told you, when you next time you go grocery shopping and get your toiletries, get wet wipes. Avoid the toilet tissue. Avoid the dry, rigorous and rigorous wiping uh, using toilet tissue because it's going to irritate your, your bottom over time. And you can create, hopefully you're not wiping hard enough to create a fissure for yourself, but you could create a situation where your bottom is sensitive and a hemorrhoid or something could, could uh, exist. Now, if you are overweight, then we need to lose weight. We need to lose weight because that in itself uh, could create a situation of overuse or of straining when you're doing uh, taking your bowel movement. And then lastly, one of the things that's most important and that fortunately for me, I've gotten back to is exercising regularly. As you can imagine, with this sort of pain, I didn't feel like and my exercise is normally yoga and riding my uh, electric bike. 
Well, I wasn't sitting on anybody's bicycle seat uh, with what was happening with me. And I don't think you would have wanted to do it either. But now I'm at the point where I've got minimal pain. Some days I can, you know, uh, not have any sort of pain, uh, but I'm not completely out of woods, but I'm so much in a better place versus where I was a month or so ago. So prevention is the best case scenario. Uh, I do want to kind of close out by talking about treatments for both. We'll start off with the anal fissure. Um, just to be clear and go over it again, I want to go over these non-surgical treatments and talk about surgical treatments, same way with the hemorrhoids, so you know what all your options are, at least the majority of your options. Okay, I'm not going to say these are all. Uh, and I'm also going to post these um, articles on our Facebook page so that you can go through them at your leisure. Or copy paste them for them to folks that you may know that may be dealing with this. So what are some non-surgical treatments for the fissures? Well, we talked a lot about ointments and creams and witch stitchery and stuff, witch hazel. I'm sorry. I knew I was going to do that. And those are going to be the primary thing. So externally apply what's called nitroglycerin. That is Rectiv, R-E-C-T-I-V. This helps increase the blood flow to the fissure area. Now, while this is uncomfortable, it is healing. You want to get as much blood flow to the area as possible. Why? Because more blood cells coming to the area means that clotting is going to start taking place. New skin is going to start being developed, et cetera, et cetera. So the nitroglycerin is generally considered the medical treatment of choice uh, with other conservative measures fail. So nitroglycerin side effects may include headaches, uh, which also can be severe. I'm just telling you, any remember, the fissure is an open wound, and anytime you put any sort of cream on there, whether it's witch hazel or this nitroglycerin or the um, lidocaine, whatever it is, it's going to have an effect. Now, here's another topical anesthetic cream, and that is lidocaine, lidocaine hydrochloride. It may be helpful for pain relief. In theory, it's supposed to act like, um, what is that stuff you put on your tooth? The, um, oh man, when you have a toothache, you get this, uh, uh, some, there's a gel, there's a gel that you can put on your tooth and it will just literally numb your, numb that area. Just like if you went to the dentist, well, that's what I thought this lidocaine would do, but quite honestly, I didn't have as much success with it as I thought I would. Preparation dates and things like that do uh, do have a small amount of lidocaine in it. Uh, my doctor also prescribed for me simply a complete tube of lidocaine. I did use it one day and I didn't use it again. It, it just didn't work for me. It created a spasm situation for me and it, and it was more irritating than anything else. Uh, but I'm suggesting to you uh, to try it. Uh, what works for one may not work for the other. Now, uh, to paralyze the anal sphincter muscle, a lot of people are going toward a Botox injection. Obviously, that's a lot more exotic of a solution. Uh, my doctor didn't offer that to me. This is in the article from Mayo Clinic. So there evidently is a Botox injection solution that can paralyze uh, the anal sphincter muscle and relax the spasms. Now, I got to be honest with you, as much pain as I was in a couple of those days, maybe I would have taken that because I'm telling you the 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 rectal spasms are are the worst. And then lastly, blood pressure medications. Uh, according to this article, there are blood pressure medications, um, oral um, what is this? Uh, nephod, nephod, 
D Pine, N I F E D I P I N E, or something called Cartizem. It can help relax the anal sphincter as well. Obviously, both of these have to do with blood pressure and the amount of blood in that area. The medications may be taken by mouth or applied externally and may be used with nitroglycerin, what we talked about before. Uh, it's not effective or cause significant side effects. That's the other thing you got to concern yourself with, with any types of side effects. Again, those are for anal fissure, uh, non-surgical treatments. Now, the surgical treatment is something I would just really, really uh, have in my hip pocket in case worst case scenario presents itself because we're talking about performing a procedure on your rectum, which would in- include uh, having stitches in that area uh, and, and and sutures and things like that. Um, a small portion of the anal sphincter muscle uh, may be cut out in order to reduce the spasm and the pain and promote the healing. I got to be honest with you, that 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 doesn't sound like something I would ever want to do. It sounds like it would create more pain, but I do know there are possibly some worse cases and some people are having to, unfortunately, entertain those options because they're they're in a different place than I was and you are. So God bless uh, in, in that area. So let's talk about hemorrhoid um, treatments. Non-surgical treatments uh, include banding. Rubber band litigation is what it's called. Your doctor could place uh, one or two tiny rubber bands around the base of the internal or the external hemorrhoid. And the goal here is to cut off the circulation to that particular uh, vein. Because, again, this is just a blood vein that's become irritated and inflamed and is super, super sensitive. So the hemorrhoid banding can be uncomfortable and cause bleeding, which may begin uh, two to four days after the procedure. Now, this is very rare. It's confusing because, you know, uh, I talked to some people who've had the banding and they say, no, it doesn't really hurt, but it creates pressure. And then you read other articles that says, yeah, this is they're going to prescribe you some some pain relief because this is pretty, pretty painful. So my cousin, again, firsthand information indicated to me he's had the banding more than once. And outside of some pressure, he didn't indicate that there was a tremendous amount of pain. What I can tell you is if you have had reoccurrence of hemorrhoids, because unfortunately they do reoccur, that banding is a good solution and it keeps you away from surgery. Again, even with the hemorrhoid, I would say surgery would be your last, last, last option because you're talking about cutting, you're talking about sutures, you're talking about stitching. And everyone that I've seen and talked to that have had the surgery, including a nurse, indicated to me let this be your very, very last option. Okay, another non-surgical is injection. Your doctor could inject chemical solution into the hemorrhoid tissue to shrink it. Uh, the injection causes little or no pain. It may be less effective than the rubber band litigation. Less effective because with the rubber band litigation, the hemorrhoids are supposed to simply just fall off and come out in your stool. And then lastly, there's something called coagulation techniques. It uses laser uh, lasers or infrared light or heat. They cause small bleeding internal hemorrhoids to harden and to shrivel up. Coagulation has few side effects and usually causes little discomfort. Now, I wish this was an option that my doctor would offer to me initially. I probably would have taken it. 
Um, but uh, p- part of my discomfort and dissatisfaction in going through this was I didn't feel like, now listen, uh, this is my first time going through this, so I didn't have a colorectal uh, doctor on standby, somebody that I had dealt with before. This was a recommendation from my primary care physician, and I didn't know this person. And quite honestly, I don't feel like I got the best <laughs> uh, support from him. I mean, God bless the guy. He was nice enough. He'd been in this industry and doing this for more than 25 years, but Uh, The sense of urgency I had and the sense of urgency that he had was very different. And when I can call back to your office and feel like I'm getting more assistance from your nurse than I am from you, that becomes problematic. Um, I will tell you at the end of the day. Oh, let me just close this out before I give you my five cent worth. So the surgical procedures for hemorrhoids include uh, hemorrhoid removal and then something called hemorrhoid stapling, which just completely sounds horrible. So hemorrhoid removal is choosing one of various techniques. Your surgeon removes excess tissue that causes the bleeding. The surgery can be done with local anesthesia combined with sedation, uh, spinal anesthesia, or general anesthesia. It is called a hemorrhoid hemorrhoid anatomy. It's the most effective and complete way to treat severe, I repeat, severe or reoccurring hemorrhoids. Complications can include temporary difficulty uh, emptying your bladder, which can result in urinary tract infections. Complications occur uh, mainly after spinal anesthesia. Now, hemorrhoid stapling. This procedure is called hemorrhoid um, hemorrhoid opoxy, P-E-X-Y, blocks blood flow to the hemorrhoid tissue. It's typically used only to uh, for internal hemorrhoids, not for external Stapling generally uh, involves less pain than the actual surgery we talked about before and allows for early return to regular activities. So the stapling has been associated with greater risk of reoccurrence and rectal prolapse in which the rectum protrudes from the anus. So, oh, that that sounds painful. So those are your options. Okay, Uh, we've gone through uh, how and, and why hemorrhoids happen. Uh, we've gone through some treatment measures and we just went through and finalized your your options in terms of uh, home remedies, non-surgical and surgical. So you've got a good bit of information here to to provide your, you know, some solution for yourself. In addition to that, I'm going to put a couple YouTube videos that I use uh, into the show notes so you can go there and look. So here's the bottom line for me. If you're dealing with a fissure and dealing with the hemorrhoid, I'm just going to tell you uh, in a nutshell my my case study, my personal case study that I just spent the last. Uh, this started in the end of August, and here we are at the beginning of October, and I've probably only been in the last week fully. I don't say fully recovered, but I've got minimal, minimal pain considering what I went through. So a little over a month, let's call it a month and a week. Well, uh, when you're going through this, especially initially, obviously you want this to be over with as soon as possible. The reality of it is you need to give yourself realistically four to six weeks to heal. Now, mind you, I had a anal fissure and a hemorrhoid situation, uh, external hemorrhoid. Uh, If you just had a fissure, which I think I've had one before, but it's been years ago, it didn't take this long. So the fissure could heal itself within, you know, two weeks time period uh, if it's not severe. 
uh, a hemorrhoid itself, depending on the size and if it's reoccurring, could heal itself in a sooner time period. My issue was I had them both at the same time. So it took me longer to heal. And it is frustrating. And yes, it is painful. But I assure you that at some point you're going to heal. Use the methods that I've talked to you today about. Talk to your physician and figure out what works best for you. If you've got 10 options, maybe only three or four work for you, but use those. Whatever is going to help you move toward healing and allow you to be the most comfortable is are the options I would stick with. I did find the most relief, especially initially when I took the pressure off of my lower extremities. I would avoid sitting for long periods of time. I would avoid, um, you know, stringes, uh, anything that's going to create a, 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 a diarrhea situation for you or a constipation situation for you. I would have on hand laxative, gentle laxatives and things that will uh, are stool softeners because you want to make sure during this time that your stools are appropriate, because even at that, anything that's passing through is going to hurt. But. God forbid, if you get in a situation where you get constipated while you're dealing with this pain, it's going to be excruciating. So put yourself in the best position possible. Let's prevent this from happening. Let's stay hydrated. Let's change our diet if we need to. Let's exercise daily. Let's lose the type of weight that we need to in order to prevent this. And listen, we're all about empowering, but we're also about helping people in our community. If your loved one, if your kid, if your husband, if your mom, if your you know, friend at work is dealing with an uncomfortable situation. Be sensitive to it and give them as much information for them. This podcast, let them listen to some of the things that I've talked about and help them, because I'm telling you, it is a painful, painful way to exist. And if you can help them, I'm sure they will be indebted to you. So uh, I trust that we've all learned something today, maybe more information than we wanted to know and have. But I'm telling you, one in two people deal with this in their lifetime. I hope you don't have to apply any of this personally, but I'm sure this information is going to be helpful to someone in your circle uh, at some point. So, again, guys, thank you so much for listening to Things You Should Know podcast. Continue to support the podcast by forwarding, liking and sharing and commenting, particularly sharing. Just take your favorite podcast so far, share it with your family member, loved one, an associate or associate, and uh, you'll you'll help us out greatly by doing that. We really do appreciate you. And listen, guys, we're coming up. We're in October. We're in fall. It's my favorite time of year. I'm going to be doing more podcasts. I'm feeling good. I can sit for long periods of time now. And we've got a lot of content uh, and I'm going to be bringing it to you. So I want you to be excited. I'm excited. And I thank you guys for listening. And I will talk to you soon. Have a good one. That's all for today's episode of Rethink. We hope that you've enjoyed this exploration of new ideas and perspectives and found valuable insights and strategies that you can apply to your life. Remember, you are the source of your own success and fulfillment. And by embracing new ways of thinking, you can unlock your true potential and yes, create the life that you truly desire. Now, if you've enjoyed this episode, we encourage you to support the podcast by sharing it with your friends, your family members, your loved ones and associates, and even your followers on social media. Also, leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Lastly, 
Don't forget to check out our show notes for free downloads and empowering ebooks that can help you on your journey of personal growth and empowerment. Thanks, guys, for tuning in. We look forward to exploring more ideas and insights with you in the next episode of Rethink.